0: There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports. Rather it's positive
1: this is caught, drinks,
0: side line, or negative.
1: Ah. The Yankees have swept the Twins.
0: Minnesota Sports Chat has you covered. Talking nothing but Minnesota sports all year long. Ah. It's time now for the soon-to-be award-winning If only in his
2: own mind, Minnesota Sports Chat with your host, Ross Brendel. That would be me. Welcome inside edition number 177 of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat. Award-winning, if only in my own mind. Minnesota Sports Chat is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts now including YouTube, just search Minnesota Sports Chat. Mr. Gophers guru himself, Daniel House, he joins in just moments to preview the 2023 Golden Gophers football season. I also hope to be able to talk a little bit about the Broken Chair Trophy, specifically how you can make a difference in the community, as we're now officially into Huskers week. Gophers and Huskers next Thursday from the bank. At 7 p.m. As we get going on this 177th edition, please remember to rate and review Minnesota Sports Chat, wherever it is that you're listening, Apple or Spotify. Like and subscribe on YouTube. That would be great. Perhaps just as important or more importantly than anything I just asked you to do, please tell your family and friends all about this podcast. And if you're consuming via the Score North Taxi Squad feed, I encourage you, to subscribe to Minnesota Sports Chat, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. How about this for a throwback, Daniel House? Oh, my gosh. Let's go back to where it all started for us, the Score North Gophers Show. A big thank you to a lot of people listening to this podcast. You are holdovers from the original Score North <laughs> Gopher Show. So thank you to those. Uh, thank you to Score North for allowing me to do that show. Roundabout way built this podcast feed, so thank you so much. Uh, we invited Murph. Murph has a day job that he needed to adhere to, so totally understandable. So no Score North Gopher show reunion show today, but you'll get one at some point. Instead, you're stuck with myself and Daniel yeah. House. How you doing, my guy? You feeling like a kid on Christmas morning? We're close. Week zero games and just what? A matter of hours. We're recording this on a Friday afternoon, late in the day.
1: I get get to wake up tomorrow and experience college football. I don't care. My game of the day, Ohio, San Diego State. Can't wait. We'll be watching intently. This is the best time of year. It truly is a wonderful time of
2: year. I, I love it when we get more into like October, when the weather is kind of guaranteed to be a bit cooler. The leaves are changing colors up here in the northern states. But it's college football, man. It's, a, it's as good as it gets. We're going to spend the majority of the time here talking about the Golden Gopher football team. There is some changes this year, a lot personnel-wise on the field, but also on the sidelines. Head Gophers coach, P.J. Flack met the media today. Daniel House was there. Here is just a snippet from Gophers Sports on YouTube from the head football coach.
1: Same philosophical beliefs. Man, that will never change. Uh, I believe in how you win football games. Um, you've got to be able to control the ball. You've got to take care of the ball. You still have to be able to run the football. You've got to play great defense. You've got to be able to win situational football. I mean, I've said that for years, right? And you emphasize, you really get what you emphasize. And those are things you've been to our practices. We hit home constantly. Uh, so, again, when you look at the, the whole picture of it, you go back to 2019 with two first-team all Big Ten wide receivers. For the first time in the history of the Big Ten, we still threw the ball 38% of the time with two first-team all Big Ten wide receivers. It's the execution of the offense, and I think that's what, uh, and the efficiency of the offense, that's what we want to be able to see with what we do and how we do it. There's different people out there with different strengths, but that doesn't mean the
2: system changes. A Long story short, and the coach finished with it, Daniel House, uh, just because there's two different people running the offense don't expect a lot to change, even though some things are going to change.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's basically what I took away from it as well is, They're still going to run the football. And I know people, there's been that narrative out there that the Gophers are going to pass the football more. I do believe they will relative to what they have the past few years, just based on personnel that they have. But it will look different where it's more getting the ball out in space, using the screen game. I talk about multidimensional football, and I feel that's sort of what PJ was alluding to. Really good offenses. They tie the run game into the pass through subtle tweaks, play designs, building off of them over the course of games in the season. Your number one goal is to create space in the passing game through design, formation, variation, maybe blending in more motion, generating additional yards after the catch, and getting everyone involved in the offense. Not just concentrating the targets into one specific area. You want to get – Every single playmaker involved, it's it's about creating space, getting everyone touches, and varying things up over the course of games. So that's what I feel like Minnesota's offense will look like. The only philosophical thing that I look at a little bit differently is ball control. Now, I do agree you have to be able to control the clock, but controlling the clock to me is how efficient are those drives? Are you able to cross the opponent's 40-yard line, which is what I believe ultimately determines Who controls games? Are you able to get across the opponent's 40-yard line? And then once you do that, are you able to convert it to points? That's how I look through the prism of – that's the prism that I look through. Taking care of the ball, all those things that PJ mentioned, plus that, uh, that, that's definitely the right approach.
2: Oftentimes, Daniel, in the PJ Fleck regime, I think in the non-conference schedule, which traditionally starts the year for the most part – I don't think we always see in full what we'll see from the Gophers when it gets to late September, October and November. However, when you open with a conference opponent, that really kind of changes the game, doesn't it? And I think in a weird way and not necessarily a good way, this could expose yourself to the Eastern Michigans of the world, North Carolina, to a degree who is a definite step up from a lot of teams. You typically see in non-conference. It is just, it's interesting to start with a conference opponent. And I don't know how good they are, but they're not a doormat either. So it's a formidable opponent that could easily beat you in week one. It's it's an interesting scenario, not one you see all that often.
1: Yeah, and that's part of it is you got to decide, put your foot on the gas and go. This schedule has, you know, a difficult ranking, I guess. I don't know. I I'm one of those people that, Looking at last year, I, I don't spend too much time on that because things change, the transfer portal occurs, people leave, coaches leave. I always say you get to that fourth game of the season, you have a really good idea of what teams can do. Minnesota has to come out here with a very detailed, well-executed game plan because I tell you, I asked PJ about the three-three-five defense that Tony White's bringing – Fans better be ready for the D line movement. So, stunting, slanting, uh, using the blitz game. You can look like it's a three down presentation, but it's a four man, five man front. Uh, you can have players blitzing downhill uh, in, through the A gaps, uh, different balance, unbalanced blitz stuff. I mean, it is unbelievable how much disguise is involved with this defense that can bait you into mistakes. And they've got A secondary, they added some pieces to an existing secondary that already had pretty good athleticism and some versatility. So I am watching that in the first game. Minnesota's offense, we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. I don't expect too much wholesale change, maybe some subtle tweaks that make a difference, but – Minnesota's offense versus Nebraska's defense is is ultimately what I'm watching for in the first game.
2: So I'm with you on the strength of schedule uh, to a degree. I, I wholeheartedly agree with the. The sentiment, the standpoint that you just don't know what teams are going to look like when you play them for a variety of reasons. However, when you do see teams like North Carolina, Ohio State, Michigan, and you know you're getting rivals and foes like Iowa and Wisconsin, you know it's going to be a tougher schedule. So, saying that, Daniel, what are realistic expectations for this team this year in your mind? And if P.J. Fleck and the program was to win eight plus games this year, would that perhaps be his best season here at Minnesota? I would say with that schedule, all they lost last year, a quarterback Mm -hmm. with some experience, but largely still inexperienced in the grand scheme of things. I would say if this team wins eight plus games, I'll even go as far as to say it's a hell of a job. And I'll tell you, Daniel, my expectations for the season and I get some pushback on this, mine are largely right down the middle. I see this as a five to seven win team. So if they were to win eight plus games, I would be ecstatic. I I would just be, what what's the phrase? I'd be tickled pink.
1: <laughs> I say eight's a very good season for the Gophers, just based on the schedule that they have. I believe the beginning of the slate is most important. If they can go four and one or five and oh, in the first five, it sets the tone and gives them a path to eight wins. If not, maybe you're looking at something like seven. I am not feeling like North Carolina is insurmountable like like some people are. I studied every single one of these non-conference opponents in pretty deep detail. And when you look at North Carolina offensive line question marks, bottom tier offensive line and pressures allowed last year, and a lot of returning personnel coming back. Uh, They hired Randy Clements as the offensive line coach. And maybe he will be able to fix some of those issues. But left tackle has a question mark. Their defense was rough last year. Uh, Gene Chisick's got to figure out that secondary. They brought in some transfers there. So how do they come together? Uh, I, I'm watching that early on in the season. They've got South Carolina the first game and App State. I I, honestly, I feel like South Carolina can give North Carolina a ball game. That first week, I would not be surprised if, if South Carolina won that game, in fact. So I would say watch that game. Eastern Michigan and Louisiana, Eastern Michigan's pass rush last year. They had Jose Ramirez, who is the sack leader in the FBS, despite that they were still near the bottom in pressure metric. So with him gone, who steps up? Are they able to get any type of pass rush? And that team did not play the run super well. The same thing can be said about Louisiana. So I feel like you can be physical in those games, pound the rock, do some things there. So I look at the non-conference games, Ross, you got to get after it early and you can't trip up against Nebraska and Northwestern. Those two games you absolutely have to win. The first one right out of the shoot, Ross, I have a feeling that game will be a one-score ball game at the end because... There is a lot of unknown associated with this game, and you know Matt Rule's is going to have that squad ready to play.
2: And the last two games between Minnesota and Nebraska, albeit P.J. Fleck v. Scott Frost, both one-score games in Lincoln and in Minneapolis here in the Twin Cities. You mentioned that non-con schedule. You wrote a great piece at gophersguru.com, so I want to plug that for everybody, gophersguru.com. Make sure you become a subscriber, a member for all of Daniel's great content Daniel yet again I set a goal to get down to a spring practice any form of competition the spring game yet again I did not make it so I'm leaning on you tell me all about Chris Ottman Bell start there and then do your best to transition into uh special teams and alleviate any anxiety <laughs> that I may have with the uh, place kicking situation heading into the season
1: here's what I'll say Chris Ottman Bell uh saw him make a phenomenal catch in, in the last open practice availability where he had to get positioned in the back of the end zone. And I'm like, Hey, Chris is back. And everybody around the building is excited to see Chris out there because he is like one of those players. When he's out on the field, you feel his presence. He's a dynamic leader. He's a fun guy. He has seen it all over the course of his career. Having him out there is extremely valuable. And I feel like he it may take a little time to just get back used to playing live football again. But he is most certainly, when you look at ball skills, ability to attack the football, having him his vertical dimension, being able to throw the ball downfield into those tight windows like Ethan can, that connection uh, should be very strong while you build it together with all the pieces that they added in that room. Daniel Jackson emerging, Corey Crooms and Elijah Spencer transferring in, who uh, both of those players I think fans are going to enjoy watching. Lamecky Brockington, who has made a lot of strides as well. So receiver room looking solid. Special teams, maybe the most continuity and chemistry they've had in that room. Dragon Kessich has been around kicking. Uh, I know Matthew Trickett was a, a reliable kicker. Uh, Over the past few years, now you look at Dragan being able to hit some of those longer kicks. PJ was talking about, you know, his range, his big leg. I did a big story, a feature on the long snapper, Brady Weeks, who uh, will play in the NFL. Uh, He definitely has the the traits needed to do that. And I have a feeling teams are going to be interested. Mark Crawford, another year punting. I mean, people remember this guy came here, didn't have experience in this has been learning and developing up, gaining more hang time, as PJ mentioned today. Special teams matters, Ross. You know how I feel about that. Field position margin is so important in these games. And I would also like to add the coverage units with where this roster is at, speed and athleticism-wise, even with some of these young players. I like to look at special teams and go, is the roster full of depth? You can usually tell based on how they play special teams. And there's a lot of speed and young talent in that area. So the, they're going to have some competitions getting some of these guys on the field, which maybe hasn't been the case. In recent years for Coach Wenger, he's got really good personnel to work with there.
2: Competition tends to create uh, good football teams or at least an exciting brand of football. So I'm looking forward to seeing that in the upcoming season. You may have touched on it just a little bit just in other uh, topics and conversations we've had so far in this uh, 177th edition of Minnesota Sports Chat. But players who you have seen that maybe most fans don't really know anything about. Maybe it's an incoming freshman, maybe a sophomore who hasn't played a lot, or transfer, grad transfer, transfer portal. Just somebody who fans don't know a lot that you think by season's end they will be really excited about and grateful that they put on a gopher football jersey.
1: I would say Lemecki Brockington is one, and I know there's a lot of talent in that room and targets that have to be shared around. But when you look at players who maybe made the most, the biggest leap overall in technique, fundamentals, just putting it all together, one could argue it's Lamecky Brockington. I thought he looked really, really good in the practices that I was at and I'd keep an eye on him. Uh, I've also kind of pegged in on Jalen Logan Redding. Uh, Jalen Logan-Redding played last year, got some valuable experience, made a lot of physical and athletic gains. Winston Delatabadir has unlocked some stuff from a technical standpoint. They have really good defensive end talent at that five tech spot. Anthony Smith, Ja Joyner, and Jalen Logan-Redding. I would anticipate all three of those guys will be on the field and pass rushing downs. So keep an eye on Jalen Logan. I know a lot of people are talking about Ja and Ant and totally understand that, but Don't sleep on JLR. The other guy I would throw out there is Devin Williams, linebacker. Player who has very good sideline-to-sideline range. Uh, proved block deconstruction, uh, the technical components of that. Learning the system, feeling comfortable within it. Uh, He's someone who can really help in that blitz game as well when you get teams backed up into third and long. So him alongside Cody Lindenberg when they're nickel, uh, I think that could be a potential a surprise breakout type of player uh, for the Gophers this year.
2: What aside from wins and losses, this is a, a bit of a difficult question to ask, but I think you'll understand what I'm asking and where I'm going with this aside from a win total. What defines success for you in 2023? Is it the growth of the offensive line? Is it Ethan Kaliak Manis's growth? Is it seeing how the offensive coordinators work together? What are some successful things you're hoping to see in the 2023 season?
1: Pass rush. I feel like that's the next step for this defense. They've done a phenomenal job of limiting explosive plays, tackling, just playing with outstanding fundamentals. I watch a lot of defenses at the college level in the offseason, even in the NFL as well. And the Gophers play with some of the best fundamentals. And that's a credit to the coaching staff, Joe Rossi, how they teach. You go to a practice and watch how they do things, especially now with Winston here in a defensive line room, I noticed substantial growth even from the spring to now, and from the the first practice I attended this fall to the third one, I was wondering what the defensive line would look like, and I left and I went. I feel like that group has made a lot of strides. So it comes down to specifically that interior of the defensive line. I want to see that group take a big step forward because Kyler Baugh Flash last year. Can he take that next step and push some more pockets? Devin Eastern's going to see an expanded role. Just continuing to build up in the trenches and see some of these younger players ascend, Ross, because that's the future of the program. Your Anthony Smiths, your jaw joiners, they're getting a chance now to show what they can do. Tariq Watson, a corner who has been developing behind the scenes. Offensively, uh, Nathan Bow gets his shot at center. He's going to have to be sort of the heartbeat of that group just putting all these puzzle pieces together cuz i think it's a blend of experienced players that have been here maybe haven't played as much were role players now they're going to ascend into larger roles and then you got the less experienced players who've been you know developing behind the scenes waiting for their moment now they get the chance so as cliche as it sounds it's like all these puzzle pieces coming together developing everything up that can set forward a path of success for the program over the next few years. And that's what I see Ross when I go to these practices is there is a lot of young talent on that field. It's just a matter of when does that stuff click and how do they maximize it? That's what I'm watching for.
2: I wanna spend a little bit of time on the Nebraska program. And I guess specifically the Gophers and Huskers, uh, what, I guess from record date, six days away, US Bank. Mm -hmm. I said, I, I did it finally, I knew that would happen. Huntington bank stadium. I didn't even say TCF bank. I called it us bank. (laughs) Too many bank stadiums in this town. We'll go with Huntington, Huntington bank stadium Thursday, August the 31st. I don't know what the ceiling is for Nebraska football. I don't think their ceiling anymore is what it was in the nineties. I realistically, I just don't believe they can be a team that competes for national championships. I would say Realistically, the same thing about the University of Minnesota. I think for both, it can happen, but you got to catch lightning in a bottle. I don't think they're going to be top five, top 10 programs year in and year out. I can say this about Nebraska football. I don't think what they were getting the last five to seven years under the Scott Frost regime and prior is anywhere where it needs to be, nor where it should be. I do think Matt Rule can get it there. So your response to that, but then also I'll let you take it from there and kind of let det- let let you tell us kind of what you think we might see from a Matt Rule team against Minnesota.
1: Here's what I'm really intrigued about with Nebraska is the fact that you know they lost a lot of one-score football games. And when you go back and look at the games that they lost, a lot of them were situational lapses at the end of games. Going back and looking at Nebraska – during the offseason, I was like, gosh, like some of these onside kick decisions, or, you know, maybe not managing the clock well, timeouts, different things like that. Matt Rule looks at the numbers, he looks at, you know, blending the football instinct with the numbers and very much emphasizes the situational components. So you, you know that that's gonna help them in some of these close games that they weren't traditionally able to win. I feel as if the next step for Nebraska is up front on both sides of the ball. You look at last year, they were one of the bottom teams and pressures allowed along the offensive line. Can they figure that out? Get that group playing at a higher level. The defensive line gave up a ton of rushing yards. Uh, they're at the bottom tier in that as well. So brand new scheme on the defensive side. Tony White coming from Syracuse running that 335. I talked about it earlier. All the changing of the picture and both, you know, the front and the back end makes it hard in the run game to figure out how to block things up because you've got an additional defender, maybe blitzing from another spot. Uh, and it just throws all the number identification stuff off. So maybe you got an unblocked guy coming through uh, and and you, you don't have blocked up. That type of stuff is going to play a factor in this football game. And PJ even mentioned it. So I look at that side of the ball and the offensive side and I go, Figuring it out up front, being more physical. Because when you watch Nebraska, they got pushed off the ball a ton, especially as the game went on. I noticed it like they were they getting wore down as the game progressed. Maybe they were playing a little harder early on, and then boom, it was like just they they couldn't hold up physically over the course of the game. So can Matt Rule get it to the point where they're able to be sustainable on both sides of the ball up front? And I think that's what you're seeing with Minnesota. They have been able to do that. They're prioritizing up front on both sides of the ball in Nebraska has to get back to that point.
2: One final gopher question that I'll I'll throw a big ten question at you and then we'll get you out of here. Uh, the gopher question I have for you that remains doesn't really have anything to do with anybody on the field. It has everything to do with those who will be gathered around the field in the stands. It's a gold out at Huntington Bank Stadium. What does your intel tell you as to what the gold to red ratio is going to be? Because Nebraska typically travels very well. They haven't traveled as well in the last few years, and there's plenty of reasons for that. But I suspect with the new regime, they will have infiltrated the bank pretty well. But I don't know how well with the gold
1: out. I, I think fans are excited about this game. Minnesota fans are. And you got welcome weeks. So you got the students coming to the game hyped up about Getting ready for school, that always creates a ton of buzz. And I thought the student sections last year, Ross, were phenomenal yeah. all year. Best since there's I, a new best since I've been a,
2: going to Gophers games in 20 years. House best in 20 years.
1: There is a new energy around for sports from the younger generation because I've been to a lot of other games on campus as well, and I'm very impressed with the atmospheres. These students that go here now, they're they're fired up about their sports. They like it, especially with the direction of where PJ has taken the program. I feel people, students get in to go for football. PJ relates well with that base, and that helps create a, a fun environment for the fans because, you know, alums are going back, and they love that energy. They love the field pageantry of college football, and I feel as if last year was maybe like the best – I have seen in the whole time I've been doing it. So I'm expecting the same thing again this year, just based off the way they ended last season and the optimism heading into this season. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to the atmosphere.
2: Big 10 wise. What a weird year to be starting off a year where there's still, it's died down, but you have the situation at Northwestern, you have a situation at Michigan, yeah. Pat Fitzgerald, Jim Harbaugh, big names in the Big Ten. Harbaugh is going to miss a quarter of the season. A Michigan imposed suspension. NCAA might still add something. Pat Fitzgerald no longer at Northwestern. We had the uh, whatever you would call it, the, the yearly culture article on P.J. Fleck. It's just kind of weird times in the Big Ten right now. And oh, by the way, at this time next year, we'll have uh, essentially half the Pac-12 joining the Big Ten.
1: The world we live in, in the Big Ten, it's changing every single day. And it makes it challenging for everyone involved, head coaches, people working in recruiting. You constantly have to adapt to the landscape. NIL, Transfer Portal, they've done that. Now it's all realignment stuff. So if you're Minnesota, you're sitting back just like, hey, whatever happens, happens. It's not really going to change what they do from a strategy standpoint, just in the sense of, you know, how they do things. It's just more of the – getting ready to play those opponents and those West coast teams got to come up to the Midwest and play some of these games in November. It's it's, it's going to be fascinating. I look at this year. We didn't even talk about the big 10 West, all the scheme changes. You got brand new defensive system at Wisconsin that Mike Tressel is going to throw. in. I think he's going to blend some of the, the Jim Leonard components, but still that defense requires a lot of versatility and speed. Are they there yet? You got Nebraska putting in the 3-3-5, and they're going to run a pro-style offense with Marcus Satterfield coming in, some fullback, some tight end. You got Wisconsin running the air raid. What does it look like? It's not going to be the dark roast Mike Leach. It's probably going to be the cold brew Phil Longo version where they run the ball a little more. Does that work? What does it look like? I'm watching that as well. Purdue air raid with Graham Harrell. He's more of a two tight end air raid. If you want to go read about the air raid in the big 10, huge piece on the site worked all off season on it. Talks about passing concepts in the air raid, things to watch as it's running the big 10. What do these two coordinators do stylistically? Uh, I am fascinated to watch it, but people are sleeping on Illinois Ross best pass rush overall. They had an historic defense last year. I don't think people realize what they were able to do. They, they, I, I looked at a lot of different metrics this offseason, studied a lot of different film. Illinois's defense, they lost, you know, Devin Weatherspoon, Sidney Brown. But still, they've got Keith Randolph. they got Johnny Newton, Gabe Yakus, Seth Coleman, all in that front seven. They can really get after the quarterback. And that's, I guess it comes down to secondary and quarterback play with Luke Altmeyer. I think Illinois has the tools to win the West. I've said it for a while. I think people are sleeping on them, but they, they really shouldn't be. I'll let you go after this one. Who wins the big 10 and why? I'm going with Michigan. I think they got the best offensive line, the best defensive line combined. The one, two punch of Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards being able to run the ball. Another step forward from JJ McCarthy. Uh, I just like their brand of football, the way that they play Penn state, Michigan will be the game of the year. I think it's going to come down to those teams. Uh, for the big 10 East uh, title. And then we'll probably have a, maybe a big 10 East clash with Michigan and Illinois at the end. Uh, I, I I could really see it. That was kind of my prediction entering the season, but I'm, I, I take a week by week. I am a fact-based let's let this thing play out. Look at scheme week to week injuries. I'm not one of these guys that likes to, look beyond the the next week because so much changes each week. So we'll see. Well,
2: I'll tell you this, Daniel house of Michigan is going to win the big 10. They're going to have to overcome a loss on October 7th at Huntington bank stadium. When the Gophers win by 10 points.
1: Yeah. Take that people who
2: claim I'm negative.
1: We will see what happens. Got to let it all play out. (laughs) Big games coming up. I'm excited. You know, you get Michigan at, at, Huntington Bank Stadium in early October, campus is going to be bumping. You got great environment. See how they start the season. If they're in a really good position entering that game, there's going to be a ton of buzz and a national championship level team coming in. It just doesn't get any better than that. We, uh, you and I, are going to
2: try and catch up and do what we did last year, do a review and preview edition. We're we're looking at probably Thursday, starting the week of the Eastern Michigan, the big battle with Eastern Michigan. So we're hoping to accomplish that This year, again, on Minnesota Sports Chat. Thanks to Daniel House at GophersGuru.com. Daniel, before I let you go, plug the site and plug ways that people can follow your work.
1: Come to GophersGuru.com. Check out all the content. All offseason, been putting out studies on things you can watch for in college football. Not just the Gophers, but in general. What things... Could you be looking at maybe a bit differently as you watch games? That's my approach. And then features. Put on a long snapper feature on Brady Weeks. Uh, talked about his journey. Very unique. I always wanted to do a story and a feature on a long snapper, and I finally got the opportunity. Brady's story about how he met his fiance. you have to go read it. I I, I could not believe how that happened. So go check it out. Five dollars a month get you access to the premium content.
2: Did you send a copy of the article to Bill Belichick, who loves talking about long snappers? Has he seen the article? Make sure he gets it. He might read it during the
1: pre-draft process. <laughs> there you he'll be, go. He'll, he'll be amazed about how he redeemed his Coles cash at Coles. That's <laughs> all I'm gonna say. He cashed in the Coles cash. So
2: Would Kirk Cousins be jealous? Would Kirk Cousins be jealous of the Coles cash usage?
1: It, it shatters any Kirk Cousins Cole story. It blows it out of the water. <laughs> I I could not believe it when I heard it. It is, it is the coolest thing.
2: House, you are legitimately the absolute best. We'll catch up in a week or two and talk more Gopher football, okay?
1: Let's go enjoy the games on Saturday, man.
2: That is at Daniel House NFL on the Twitter machine and GophersGuru.com. Boy. It's tough to match the energy of that segment we just had with Daniel House, but we can do so if we're caffeinated on our Beans Coffee. Quick caffeinated shout-out to my friends at Beans Coffee Company for supporting Minnesota Sports Chat, a Minnesota company That's invested in Minnesota Sports Chat and, of course, invested right here in the great state of Minnesota. They truly do have a coffee blend for everybody. I've mentioned it now for weeks. Light roast, dark roast, medium roast, even caffeine-free. Whatever your jam is, they have it for you. Check them out at coffeebybeans.com. That's coffeebybeans.com. You can order by the bag or even set up. A coffee subscription. I continue to crush that perfectus blend. As you know by now, I say it every week it is delectable. Use the promo code sports chat, that is sports chat, to save at checkout. Beans Coffee Company ships anywhere in the U.S. with free shipping on all orders of $35 or more. CoffeeByBeans.com, that's coffeebybeans.com, promo code sports chat. Well, from coffee talk to doing good talk, we're going to spend a little bit of time here on this Gophers and Huskers week talking about the Broken Chair Trophy and and maybe not quite how you remember it in the sense of the two teams competing on the field. We're going to talk about the two fan bases competing off the field to raise some money for Team Jack and the Masonic Children's Hospital here in the Twin Cities. Both fan bases, Huskers and Gophers, doing good work in the community. And joining me right now on the phone is Michael with the Broken Chair Trophy. We actually caught up with Michael on Minnesota Sports Chat and even the Score North Gophers show going back a few years to talk about this same charity. And I do love emphasizing charity. Michael, how have you been? It's good to reconnect with you. I've been great. It's good to be on again. Thanks not a problem at all. So let's talk about this. The Huskers and Gophers, the fans have come together as one team to raise money. Let's talk about what you're doing and kind of how it all came together.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, the original chair story started with Twitter with the uh, Postalini account and the, um, I think, the Gopher account. And then trophy disappeared for a couple of years, and, I and a group of fans met up on Reddit because we all felt it was, you know, kind of Nebraska's only organically grown trophy in the Big Ten from the move to the Big 12, and we um, brought it back, and uh, one of our members had a great idea to wrap a charity around it, and so, you know, the original intent was to get the trophy back and try to get the school to recognize it, and that's kind of taken a backseat to the whole Fundraising thing that we're doing these days every year, along with the, the game
2: and the charity. So, um. I think people in the city, Michael, are in the cities are pretty fairly, fairly well versed to what's happening at Masonic Children's Hospital. But if you wouldn't mind, maybe a Gopher fan says, "Boy, I want to help the Gophers win this, so I'm going to put." a good chunk of money behind the Gophers, but I want to give some money to Team Jack. Can you fill in the blanks a little bit about what Team Jack is doing in and around the Lincoln area and the state of Nebraska?
0: Yeah, sure. So uh, Team Jack is a nonprofit focusing on uh, funding for pediatric uh, brain cancer. And I think even non-Husker fans know about the, the spring game with Jack when he was, I don't know, want to say five or six where he scored a touchdown. Um, if you haven't watched that video, just Google "being Jack Nebraska touchdown" and then be prepared to cry a little bit. Um, but so you know, we felt like that they just had really close ties with uh, the university, and um, so that's that's kind of how that uh, partnership came to be. But yeah, that's that's their focus is uh, research.
2: Can you talk about the rivalry between the two fan bases? Because I see it on Twitter when it comes to fundraising. So you're on the Nebraska side. How important, and I believe right now when I checked earlier today, we're recording this on Friday, August the 25th. When I checked earlier today, I think Nebraska is actually in the lead. Can you talk about the fundraising pride of the team that comes out on the winning end here? Yeah.
0: um, So rivalry is a, a a fun word to say, but both fan bases are just super nice. So it's, to me, it's, it's a fun competition, right? Um, I, I keep an eye on it. We're Nebraska is up by a little over a thousand dollars right now, but there are some incentives out there for things that could really swing back and forth. So um, it's you know it's always good, hard, and fun. I would say um, the, the games that I've been to, meeting with Minnesota fans and stuff, I I don't feel like you know the, the Nebraska fans pride themselves on being like the best fans in college football, but if anybody could put us up for a run for our money, it would be Minnesota. Insane. So um, it's, it's a rivalry, but a fun one.
2: Well, and at the end of the day, uh, look, I take sports uh, very seriously, probably more seriously than most, but I've always done a pretty good job compartmentalizing. Win or lose, they are just games, and this stuff highlights the important things of life and the importance of getting behind community and making a difference. That's why I do love this charity so much. It's intertwined a couple of my passions of doing the best you can to be a good person and give back, but also intertwining my love for gopher sports and college football. BrokenChairTrophy.com is the website, correct? BrokenChairTrophy.com is where people can go to learn more and donate?
0: Yeah, there's two big buttons right at the top to donate for the Huskers or donate for the Gophers. That'll take you straight to where you want to go. Um, There's also some information in in the very top part of the website. Um, We partnered some with Better Edge this year, and they're doing a competition where um, if you go take a poll on their site and vote for which team you think should win – they're going to donate $5,000 to the winning team's uh, charity, and they're going to donate $1,000 to the losing team's charity. So um, get out there and vote if you haven't. And if, even if you can't donate, you can click a button and you know help hopefully push your team towards that.
1: Uh,
2: yeah. And, I, so, and uh, I love that, Michael, because at the end of the day, we're raising money for a great cause or yeah. great causes. There's really no winners or losers here. There's just one group that raises a bit more money, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's a, it's a large lump sum of money for both charities. That's going to make a huge difference. So Michael, you are behind enemy lines for me. I am calling you at an undisclosed location in the state of Nebraska. I know we're talking chair trophy and again, broken chair com or at chair trophy on Twitter, but can you give me uh, just the quick four one, one on how people are feeling about the new Matt rule regime in Nebraska, kind of the fans perspective.
0: Um, You know, I think there's this outside perspective in Nebraska that we are delusional and think we are still the 1990s team. That's very much not the case. Uh, If you live here, uh, most people have some, I'm going to say, realistic but high expectations, right? But but that's saying, you know, we're hoping six wins in the whole game. Um, If I'm being honest and not, not, like, guessing with my heart, um, I'm not super optimistic for the Minnesota game. Flex done a good job with that team. They, you know, they've got their um, everything established, and you know, we're brand new team, brand new uh, coach. I think we have over 100 freshmen and sophomores on the team, so we young. Um, but people are, are cautiously optimistic. Um, it's not the Scott Frost, everybody over the moon, thought we were going to just, you know, be undefeated in two years type of optimism, but it. He feels like the right guy. He's going to need some time. I don't think anybody's expecting immediate
2: results, um, but it's like I said, cautious optimism. Well, in week one, Michael's one of the scariest weeks of the season because nobody truly knows what you're getting into, even when coaches return and regimes return and programs have you know uh, some built-in tenure, so to speak. You truly never know what you're going to get, and the Gophers are unveiling kind of dual offensive coordinators this year, so. I'm a little nervous about that. Uh, True for week one, I think, for a lot of fan bases. I think both fan bases are going into this one a little bit nervous. I do know one team will win the game and one side will be happy, but both will be happy if you chip in at BrokenChairTrophy.com. I encourage people to do that. I'm going to make my donation later tonight or over the weekend, so people please get behind Team Jack of the Masonic Children's Hospital at BrokenChairTrophy.com dot com. Michael, thank you so much for your time. And did I miss anything? Is there anything else we need to cover as we depart?
0: No, I, I think
2: we covered everything. Um, I appreciate it. Love it. BrokenChairtrophy.com. com. That is Michael going behind enemy lines. He is in Nebraska talking about that chair trophy. Please, I I I do. People ask me An awful lot. You know, what can we do to support Minnesota sports chat? And I always tell people, look, tell your friends and family, I'm really not going to get rich off this pod. That's really not the intent. The intent is just for me to continue to establish connections, have some fun talking with friends of mine and other industry leaders here in and around the Twin Cities when it comes to sports. But the one thing you can do is if I ever do put out a call to donate some money to charity or get behind a cause that would be it. Yeah, so brokenchairtrophy.com or on the Twitter slash now X machine at chairtrophy to learn more. But if you are financially able and you can throw a few dollars either way to either side of the charity, that would be much appreciated. And yes, also support those that support this show. Like my friends at beans coffee company, coffee that will actually do it for the 177th edition Of Minnesota Sports Chat should be able to drop a pod about this time next week after the Gophers and Huskers do battle at Huntington Bank Stadium. My thanks to Daniel House from GophersGuru.com, Michael from BrokenChairTrophy.com and the Broken Chair Trophy charity, and most importantly, you for listening each and every week to Minnesota Sports Chat. I'm Ross Brendel saying thank you so much. We'll talk again real soon.